welcome back to the Spirit and Truth Podcast. My name is Maggie Ulmer, and on today's episode, Matt, Emma, and I discuss humility. This episode is a little bit of a window into what our staff was thinking about leading up to the Spirit and Truth Conference. We missed Tony on this episode, but it's a great conversation, and I can't wait for you to hear it. All right, well... It's just the three of us this morning. We are absent one very valuable member of our crew. Tony had a meeting this morning. So it's just me, Matt, and Emma. Hey. Hi. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, boy. I sound disappointed. I I realize I probably sound like, well, it's just us. I mean, Tony is the life of the party, so. (laughs) He does kind of add something like a a level of... um, Mm-hmm. What'd you call it? It's like a, it's like an energy drink, except in person form. Yeah, it's like <laughs> caffeine injection. Mm-hmm. Like bam, that's that's what he does to our team. <laughs> he's good. the re- he's the Red Bull of our team. <laughs> I think he would receive that yeah. as a compliment. It's meant as a compliment. Anyway, how's everyone doing this morning? Well, I don't I don't know when this particular episode will come out but we're getting ready for the conference and so by the time this comes out the conference may have already happened the spirit and truth conference but um but i'm excited about that and just praying about just with expectation just really trying to stay uh, open-handed about how the lord wants to work in that time and so yeah just trusting him with that amen emma how are you oh i'm good too <laughs> Um, I am excited about the conference and a lot of things that are coming up for Spirit and Truth. So, yep, there's a lot coming up. So we have the conference and then we have more Awakening Weekends planned very shortly after the conference. And we're currently in Lent for those of us in traditions that that observe this season, liturgical season. And I feel like what we're going to talk about today is is germane to the entire Christian life, but tends to come up a lot during Lent. Yeah. And uh, I don't know, why don't you get us started, Matt? Yeah, I just, um, I think we're, we're going to spend some time talking about everyone's favorite topic, <laughs> humility. Um, Yay! No, I, um, I think we, we felt led to talk about humility today for a couple of reasons. One, I mean, it is a season that we're in. We talk about the Lenten season. We just had Ash Wednesday not long ago, which is a time to, um, you know, reflect on the humble state of our lives um, before God. And also, I I thought it would be good to talk about because I, I do have a sense that this is a, this is kind of a correcting work that the Lord is doing in the church right now. Um, and I know it's something he's always, um, working on me about. And so it's, um, I, you just, it's a, it's a topic in an area of the Christian life you never grow out of. Yeah. You know? And so, Perhaps I'll start, uh, I, maybe I'll just start by reading Philippians uh, 2, a section of Philippians 2. I was reading this in uh, devotional time this morning, and um, maybe we'll just start there because it, you know, kind of speaks to the very nature of Christ. 
I'll start at verse 3. Uh, do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves, not looking to your own interest, but each of you to the interests of the others. In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus, who, being in the very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness. And being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. I'm able to stop there for now. And um, certainly there's a lot of complex theological concepts that are embedded in this passage. And I'm not sure that we're going to dive into all of that. Mm -mm. (laughs) Um, But as I was reading that this morning, it really just struck me in a fresh way how central this idea of humility is to the very character and life of Jesus Christ. And um, and then it kind of, it just followed in my mind that if uh, humility is the way of Christ, then walking in pride is like walking in the opposite direction of Jesus, you know? And um, if the way of Jesus is the way of salvation, if it is the way that enables us to live the life that he intends us to live, the, the fullness of salvation in Christ, then walking in pride is really like walking the path towards hell. And, you know, to be blunt about it, but I think about my own life, and in fact, I I think I've learned that even experientially, mm. that when uh, I walk in a way in my life which tries to make myself at the center of my own universe, and um, which I think is kind of at the core of pride, right? When we try to become our own yeah. God, uh, in fact, I do find myself stumbling into destruction. Like I find myself walking in ways that feel an awful lot like death. And when I am able by the grace of God, by the strength of the spirit to learn to sort of position myself correctly before the Lord and therefore to see others in, in the way that he would see them. I find myself walking in ways that are life-giving, mm-hmm. in ways that actually sort of fuel the kind of life that I think Jesus desires for us. Amen. Yeah. You don't have anything, Emma? You look like you have something. No, I don't. <laughs> well, what I was thinking as you were describing this is, um, you know, being humble to the Spirit produces the fruit of the Spirit. Mm. So yielding yourself to the Spirit produces life-giving fruit and not being yielded to the spirit does not so it's like it seems so simple but I guess sometimes for us it gets a little I don't know hard or confusing especially when you're not yielding the fruit of the spirit you're like why where am I messing up what like it gets so like you're off in la la land but when you get down to the very root of it all, being yielded to the spirit produces life giving things and not being yielded to the spirit doesn't. So, you know, I think part of how this gets pretty messy or sometimes we just lose sight of this. And I'll reference this even in respect to church leadership is that we live in a culture which does not value humility. Right. Yeah. We live like just the, 
the water that we're swimming in as humans in 21st century United States is one that esteems bravado, hubris, take the bull by the horns, be your own person, and and often um, I think even esteems sort of clearly pride-filled ways of living as good leadership like that you're a strong leader right or powerful that you're powerful and we've seen that we see it in the political sphere we see it in the entertainment sphere we see the the um, sports figures that are most lauded are often the most sort of braggadocious and you know you know excited about themselves and we um we kind of like that like i mean or at least we we think that there's a necessary element of that. If you're going to be a good leader, if you're going to make something of yourself, then you've really got to live in that, at least partially in that kind of way. At the same time, while we, I think, kind of a f- live in that mess of kind of pride-filled focus in the culture, there's actually, if we're honest and we look at the people that we most like to be around in our interpersonal lives— we find that the people that are actually most life-giving to us mm-hmm. are probably the most humble, you know? Mm-hmm. They're people, because, for example, uh, the people that I know uh, who just walk in humility are the people who are genuinely interested in what's going on in your life, you know? That when you're with them, like, I don't want to, like, uh, put Maggie on the spot, but her husband is one of these people. He's one of the most humble people that I know, and he's one of, you know, he's one of my best friends. He's someone that I spend a lot of time with, both at work and just in life, you know. We have, have we ever talked about pies and bros on this? You have pie. We have this thing. (laughs) Oh, gosh. I feel like I'm just putting this into the world, but on Thursday mornings, uh, Tony and Rob and myself meet for something like, um, an accountability group or you know we just talk about how how life in our soul is we talk about our spiritual lives and and just life in general and um anyways with someone like rob you know when when you're with him there's something so attractive um and i don't mean (laughs) i don't mean in a physical sense although he is a good looking guy I mean, there's something going off this the throughout. No, but I mean, there's something so appealing about someone who is not self-interested. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Because humility is the way towards real love. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because like I just read in Philippians, when you start to see the needs of others above your own, when you start to play, even the needs within a single conversation of wanting, truly wanting to hear someone's heart to hear what they're struggling with in their life the only way you get to that place where you're genuinely interested in other people is the way of humility mm-hmm. and and he's just an example of someone that i experienced that with well i'm sure he's definitely going to be like that after he listens to this podcast <laughs> <laughs> well but here's and this is a good point i the spirit uh the fruit of the spirit that i see in him and because coupled with the fact that he's one of the best Bible teachers I've ever heard in my life, is why, like, last year I wanted him to speak at the conference. Yeah. But his kind of leadership, even in the church world, is not what's lauded. Yeah. When you yeah. look at the celebrity culture we've created, when you look at the the megachurch movement and all that comes with that, that kind of, like, just simple, humble, 
I walk with Jesus, I spend time with Jesus, and I, I'm going to serve others out of that place. Yeah. That's not the kind of leadership that gets lifted up in the church. Yeah. It's As we're talking about this, I'm, I, and I want to ask everyone this question, actually, is there, do you have a, like a biblical model of humility that, I mean, obviously Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> everyone should say Jesus. That's Jesus. the good answer. Jesus. Yeah. yeah. But I mean, um, I often think about Mary. I knew you were going to say I know, Mary. I, you love Mary I so do. much. I, I do love, love Mary, Mary because, well, I, yeah. I, yeah, I do love no, Mary. No, it's right. Yeah. But I often think, you know, one of the, as we've been talking about this, I've thought about the Magnificat, which opens, my soul glorifies the Lord and my spirit rejoices in God, my savior, for he has been mindful of the humble state of his servant. So what she's saying there is the Lord, in essence, I, this always like makes me like in I'm in awe. This thing that is happening to her is going to turn her world upside down and she receives it as a gift, yeah. like a reward for her humble state. She's like, I'm lowly. Who am I? And here this thing is going to happen for me. And it doesn't lead to like what the world would call no. amazing things for her. No. No, not at, at all. Leads to a lot of hard things. <laughs> yeah. So, and when you think about Christ as a as a figure of emblematic of humility, which obviously he is, when he's crucified, I mean, there are some theological perspectives that see that moment of him being crucified as a type of enthronement. Mm. And I think that to your point about leadership in the church, sacrifice or service is leadership and he's he says that plainly you know the first will be last the last will be first right. um but we yeah right, we live in a world that does not embody that no at all and you and i think uh, part of it is our it's tied to our need for instant gratification yeah. and you think about someone like mary who did not experience any kind of human um esteem in her time on earth, yeah, right? No. There's no, she didn't receive any kind of glory on the earth. And yet here we are 2,000 years and later. she says that mm -hmm. all generations will call me blessed. Yeah. And here we are talking about her and thinking about her because of her willingness to humbly respond to the Lord. And I think this is, this is, this is a work that I sense that the Lord is doing in the church right now. In the midst of all of our kind of like hubris and self-made kind of tendencies, mm -hmm. what you see happening, and I think, you know, recently we had a conversation about uh, the Asbury outpouring. I think you, this is what you see in the midst of that as well. What actually, what did, what transpired there started with an act of humility. Mm -hmm. And the whole thing, part of the, the sort of the character of that, outpouring was it was kind of defined by people's accounts by humility there are there was no there was no celebrities there was no someone you know any person that was trying to use it as a platform for themselves was kind of rejected you know which to the credit of those who are stewarding that and really it was just humble and that 
I don't, I don't know of a single face who I would associate with that outpouring. Not like one person. No. It was just this collection of nameless, faceless kind of, not nameless to God, yeah. but nameless to the culture, people who came with humble hearts. You know, I, um, I think on that episode when we talked about that, we talked about repentance being a prerequisite for revival. But actually, I think even if you go back a step further, humility is a prerequisite for repentance because you're not even willing to admit until you come to a place of humility before the Lord, sometimes by your own response and sometimes because he he brings it to you. Yeah, he brings you there. But you can't you can't even get to a place where you're willing to admit that you have been wrong or that you've been walking in sin. You can't even get to that place until you come to a place of humility. I mm-hmm. I agree. And actually, I think this is even a a larger part of this correction. I think that the the Lord or I see the spirit moving in a way that is restoring sort of a a healthy theology of suffering. Yeah, that's right. Because um, this is a, a type of grace. When the Lord mm. humbles you, when the Lord brings you to your knees in a place of you saying, I have nothing and I need to know if you're real. Yeah. That is grace. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But it's not the picture of grace that we have spent the last no. 50 years painting. And not in our tradition anyway. No. And well, and think about, I I think that's exactly right. Because we have kind of lost sight of that. But if you just think about the 12 disciples, for example, just start with them. Yeah. None of them had an easy life. Mm-hmm. They, they all had actually pretty, by most modern standards, had a pretty terrible life. Yeah. As far as... Um, their worldly comforts Mm -hmm. as far as the ways that they died as far as the kind of life that they lived you know in the time that they had and and yet you know when you when you read the gospels when you when you read things that those disciples have written they knew a joy in the lord and they knew a fullness of life that i think uh, most of us have never fully experienced and it didn't come only, uh, this is a hard thing to say, but it didn't come just in spite of suffering. In many ways, mm-hmm. it came through suffering. Yes. Yeah. What are you thinking, Emma? Well, I'm just thinking about the relationship between culture and the Christian life. Um, because I think, as you guys are saying, in many ways, in the last 50 years, as you said, or 100 years or whatever, it's been about building ourselves up to a specific place, which could be characterized as pride. But the true example of humility that's seen throughout scripture with Mary and with Jesus and even Jesus with his disciples is relational. You know, it's it, with the Asbury outpouring, you say no one person because it was so um oriented around the culture of the kingdom Mm. that i'm willing to value you above me to honor you above me Mm -hmm. and if we're all doing that then at the center of it all is jesus you know what i mean like we all surround the throne and we all when we humble ourselves to one another we are lifting up jesus the one true 
example of humility as seen in Philippians 2. So I think it's, that's just so, it's so good. You're right. Like we, we put a lot of our eggs in the basket of how far do I have to achieve? How far do I have to do this? How, how long do I have to go to school? Or, um, can I get bigger or better? It's always this striving for more and for power, but, but that just wasn't the way of Jesus. That's true. I think what's interesting, and of course, I think um, this is one of the things I think is fascinating just about our internal dynamic. Like we have these people at various stages mm-hmm. and ages in our internal group. So, um, and w- what you're saying is absolutely correct. And also, God calls us and we're we have to like work out this process of how do I follow you how do I do Mm -hmm. what you're asking me to do Mm -hmm. you know um so for instance it for someone who's still in school the nature of the way school is set up is about achieving achieving right yeah and it's it's inherent it's built into the process you can't avoid it and also the Lord does when he calls you into something he's like look do it do a good job yeah be committed to that process. Mm-hmm. And at the same time, it's really hard not to get wrapped up in, in the culture of yeah, it. Yeah, of like, right. did yeah. I get an A? Did I get, you know, how do I do that? And then beyond that, I mean, for me, I would suffer with, I would struggle with, how can I be the best mm-hmm. in this? Mm-hmm. But that's not the point. Mm-mm. The point is yeah. obedience. Yeah. So, yeah. It's, it's a, but if, but that's true. You have to humble yourself to the task. Yes, you know you what do. I mean? Like yeah. the Lord's like, do this or you ha- you have to do this right mm-hmm. now to, you know, follow on the narrow path that I'm calling you on. But when, you know, there is a moment of differentiation where you have to say, okay, I'm doing this as a response to the Lord and not so that I can make myself better. Right. Not so that I can wear the crown. Right. So I can cast it down. Mm-hmm. Exactly. You, right. 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 Glory. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's interesting. You know, I think it's important just to know, um, you know, I think Christ-like humility is, doesn't mean not walking in authority. Yeah. Right. Because what we see in Jesus is someone who has, you know, actually infinite power. Yeah. <laughs> you know, who has the ability, um, at any moment to call down a legion of angels if he wants to. So it's not the absence of authority or power, but it's the way in which um, it you're positioned before the Lord in the way that you steward that which he gives you. Mm-hmm. And I would be interested to think, you know, maybe we could just for a moment, what, what do you think it looks like to practically, as a leader in the church, whether you're, I don't mean just a pastor, but like, you're, you know, you're a stakeholder in your church, you're invested, you're on, you're leading on a, a leadership team or, you know, a small group leader, or you are the pastor. If you're in a position of leadership in the church, I'm not sure we have a lot of great models for what true, like, humble leadership looks like. Mm. What What do you think? When you think of, like, how does this get worked out in practice when you're also called to lead something? Um, what do you think of? I think of two things right off the bat. One, I think to practice humility is to practice desperation before the Lord. And 
make sure that your heart doesn't become um, hardened or like what I mean is we should always be in a place that is needy for God and we never grow out of that you know we never grow out of our neediness for the Lord and so to continually be in that posture um, cultivates a level of humility because you're saying I have nothing without you I need your guidance or I need whatever it is I need you Lord so I think that's one like practical way in your secret place Mm -hmm. um, to cultivate humility you know it's not always about how you're serving or how you're doing this but it's also within your own heart posture but then so that's one way I think and then in another way I think of um, Jesus in the garden of Gethsemane when I always think of this example around the topic of humility because he called on his friends to come and weep with him and to pray with him come and tarry with me for a while and I don't know what it is about this moment, but there is something so humbling about the fact that Jesus, the Lord of all, calls upon some people who he knows is going to fall asleep, who he knows is not going to, you know, be there to support him in the ways that he may need it. But this is the very essence of humility that is relational, you know, so first we have to be desperate within our own heart, but also we have to be willing to humble ourselves to one another and say, hey, I need you to come and tarry with me for a while in this, or I need you to come and help me with this and say, I cannot do it all. I'm reliant on the Lord, and I need you to help intercede for me in this way. Yeah. I would say that that is exactly right. Dependence is is the practical thing. And as Emma was talking, I, I realized that Somebody texted Rob last night just asking for book recommendations. And so he was telling me, oh, so-and-so is asking for a book recommendation. And we both thought of the same book at the same time. And it, it's called, um, it's a book about George Mueller called Delighted in the Lord or The Lord Delight, something like that. Anyway, for if you don't know who George Mueller is, he was, he was just a very normal person a person of actually when he was young very wealthy but then had an encounter with the lord that radically changed him and he ended up anyway the point of the thing he depended on the lord for everything Mm -hmm. in prayer like he almost to to the t like he ended up building one of the largest structures um for orphans in great britain that still exists now but he never asked anyone for money. He prayed for every single thing. So much so to the point that that this was just the culture of how this whole institution and organization ran. One of the famous stories is, is one of the sort of orphanage mothers comes to him and says, you know, there's no food for breakfast. And so he went up into his office and he prayed and the bread truck broke down in front of the oh, orphanage. Oh, my gosh. And the guy comes to the door and says, I feel like I should give you, you guys all of this bread. I mean, and that's wow. the kind of stuff that, like, literally, yeah. you know, and it happened time after time after time. So the other book that we ended up recommending to this person was um, one I read all the time, which is The Life of St. Anthony, which is, oh yeah, you know, 
he lived in the desert. And uh, the desert is a place of dependence, a place of need. So I, I agree. I, I just offer those two as, as examples. Like if you're like, I need a, I need a tangible yeah. example of this, read those books. Yeah, I actually, if you're going to find an example, you've got to go back beyond current modern leadership yes 100% true you know well maybe mother Teresa she's the the other modern example there's another uh just to add one more book into the mix it's a really short book but it's a classic and it was really impactful uh for me it's just called humility by Andrew Murray Mm. and it's um it's like every paragraph will smack you in the face (laughs) (laughs) that's you know yeah that's what that George Mueller book is like you're like well the whole thing is... What am I complaining about? Yeah, the Andrew Murray book is like maybe 100 pages. Mm. Like, I don't even know if it's... It's short, but it's like, yeah, every section you're like, oh, I really... I have growth that I need in yeah. my life, you know? <laughs> yeah. Um, I had a... As you guys were talking there, I wrote down a couple of things just uh, as I was thinking about just practically what, you know, how do you walk out humility in church leadership today? And these, I know there's so many other things, but here's a couple of things that popped in my head. One is uh, to pray, and you just alluded to this, to pray as though it actually matters. Yeah. Because at least I know for myself, okay, I'm just speaking for myself, the choice not to pray or prioritizing things other uh, above prayer is actually, um, there's embedded pride in that. Yeah. Because when I don't, when I choose not to pray, I'm choosing to believe, even if I don't want to say it out loud, that I can fix this thing, I can accomplish this thing, I can do the work of the church apart from God's intervention, and that is pride. Mm -hmm. And um, prayer and humility go hand in hand. The second thing uh, that I uh, wrote down was uh, be willing to give power away. Yeah. You know, I think you see this modeled in Jesus, Mm -hmm. like he invites people to himself and then sends them out, empowers them to live out his ministry. He didn't try to do it solo. And so, you know, I just I don't do this uh, perfectly at all, but I'm always trying to figure out who can I just invite in to to give them space to to exercise the gifts that God has, because I don't have all of it stuff. So who, who can I? And, you know, give power away to um, so that the, the body is strengthened. And um, and then one last one which sounds so simple, but just I, I felt like this is an important practice for me in my ministry over the years. It's just to never be above simple tasks. Yeah. Like I said, I felt like there was a point in my ministry. I've At this point, uh, you know, I've led a couple of churches, decent sized churches with you know, decent sized staff and all of that kind of stuff. But there was a point a number of years ago where I felt very clearly, like I remember one time the Lord just kind of whispering to me, uh, as soon as you're too, uh, as you're too big to stack these chairs, you'll have, I have no use for you anymore. I mean, that sounds harsh, but like, like you've lost it. Mm -hmm. And so like, I just try to practice that in my own life as any way I can like it sounds so dumb to even say this out loud if there's like trash on the floor in the bathroom of the church like i just stop and pick it up yeah or like if someone's trying to you know working on something i just i don't think as leader i don't care what position i don't care how big your church is or any of that stuff as soon as we're unwilling to enter into just normal 
ways to serve others without anybody else knowing, we have lost the essence of humility. It's mm-hmm. true. Yeah. You know, um, one other thought that I had as we were talking, and this just kind of goes back to um, this idea of humility in church leadership. I do think sometimes that we have made a fatal mistake in that we think that we have this mentality that the ends justify the means Mm -hmm. and that if we get a certain result then even if it was not the most humble approach to get there even if it was like yeah it took a little bit of like stepping on some people's backs along the way it's okay because look at look at this fruit look at what god is doing look at how big the church is and i just think that is fundamentally flawed like as a christian you know the scripture is clear about this all to the glory of god whether i eat or drink whatever i do right yeah so every step in between is an act of worship it's not about just the end game and so it's how I get there. And so what I what I mean, how this ties into humility is I feel like sometimes we deceive ourselves in thinking that we can help um, build the kingdom or usher in the kingdom by using worldly means. Yeah. That we can function the same way that leaders do in the political sphere or in the business f- sphere where pride is an asset. And we can function like that because in the end, you know, it's going to be for the kingdom. It's going to be good. And I just think that is wrong. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I was just thinking right before you said that, I was just thinking the same thing. Uh, a simple phrase that I don't know where I've heard it or I don't know, but um, that we become what we behold. Yeah. And so what you're saying is that when we behold the outcome more than we behold Christ, yeah. then we're going to stumble into the outcome and not obediently follow in the way that Jesus is asking us to, if that makes sense. Like, yeah, man, you just can't strive and like, and pull the fruit down from the tree before he gives it to you. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like just the simple obedience that comes with beholding Christ, um, who knelt down and washed feet and didn't step on necks and backs to get right above, um, rather than you know no i mean he was stepped on yeah that's right and yet we in the church today i i just still feel like there's so many people who are clamoring for power yeah like somehow we're going to accomplish christ's work for him if we can somehow if the church could get more political power for example this has been very popular in recent years if we could get kind of stake our claim so that we can pass laws that are more biblical like i'm putting that in air quotes because that's a complicated thing and there are in fact ways that we want to work out you know we we certainly want to advocate for our our morals that are in alignment with kingdom values and all this i'm not not suggesting otherwise yeah but somehow we think i feel like it's the same it's the same mistake that people made when jesus was walking the earth well can't you just can't you just defeat the Romans? Can't you just get us power that way? Yeah. Right. Can't you just bring the kingdom now, mm-hmm. you know, in that way? And he's like, I am bringing the kingdom, but it comes like a mustard seed, which is planted in the ground and grows over time. It doesn't, it doesn't come by force, mm-hmm. you know? So here's a question. What are ways that we can evaluate what the sort of the, 
the status or the health of our our humble state is or is not I mean because sometimes people are walking in pride I've certainly had this experience where I'm like in the middle of doing something and it feels great and da 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 and then all of a sudden something blows up in my face and I'm like whoa I did Mm -hmm. not see that coming because I wasn't looking at Jesus (laughs) Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, just in general, I mean, I feel like I'm the most humble person I know. <laughs> no, that's, that's a joke. That's a joke. I had a college friend who always said that. Like, oh, yeah. it was, he, he, he was a funny guy. And he was like, definitely, I've never met anyone more humble than me. And I'm like, <laughs> it was awesome. Okay. But yeah, how do we know if we're walking in humility? Mm, that's a good, that's a good question. Am I wrong to say that we ask the Lord? No, I don't think that's right. I think that's right. Because uh, I want to say, like, we, in a lot of ways, we can be with other believers Mm -hmm. and ask them, hey, will you almost, like, check my fruit, you know? Sure. Like, what do you you see in me that I'm not seeing? Yeah. But I think first and foremost, you know, as David prayed, create in me a clean heart mm-hmm. yeah you know rid me of my iniquities show me where i'm struggling or where i'm sinful or where my eyes aren't fixed on you um and so i think it starts there mm-hmm. and then you go to you know the people around you um to kind of check you but yeah which yeah is i think that's sometimes. right <laughs> uh, a couple other things yeah. that just popped in my head when you said that one is um, am I often offended? Mm. Wow. Yeah, that's, that's a good, good one. That's a good question. Because the more often that I'm becoming offended by things, I think is most likely that I'm, I think that I should get my way. Sure. I think that what I believe is always right. And offense is like a symptom of pride. Pride. Yeah. For sure. That's really good. Yeah. Another thing I, I think, and this is maybe harder to evaluate, but just how often am I thinking about myself? Mm. Because I think real humility, I mean, someone is, this is not original to me. Someone has said, humility is not uh, thinking of yourself, thinking less of yourself. It's just thinking of yourself less, less <laughs> you know, because when, you're, when your um, attention is on Christ mm-hmm. and when your attention is on Christ, then he will also lead your attention to be on other people there's less space for you just to be obsessed with what you need and what you think all the time yeah. mm-hmm. and when my thoughts are always about what I want what I think should happen what I think is most important then I am in the center of all of those thoughts and um, real humility I think uh, when you get to a place and again I think it's a fruit of the spirit it has to be a yielding to the to the work of the spirit in your life it's not something you can just you know grunt like try real hard it's gonna happen you know it's real obvious when that's the case yeah real humility has to come not from obsessing with trying to become humble but by just your gaze becoming more and more upon jesus all of the time Mm -hmm. emma you flipped your bible open you got something yeah i did well i was i was just thinking about how jesus described himself he says for i am gentle and lowly yeah and what i think is interesting about this is i wonder i'm not sure if this is true but i wonder if you know a fruit of humility is walking 
in a way that proves that like we know that his yoke is easy and his burden is light mm-hmm. does that make sense like in that's the that's the context of him describing himself yeah no i th- i th- actually i think there's a lot of wisdom there there's there's always been so an aspect of christianity that i've ha- had a hard time wrapping my mind around and it's the one it's it's a concept of detachment from worldly concerns and things like that so one of the reasons i just have a hard time with it is because it feels very eastern to me like very kind of buddhist and i'm very anyway so i'm always like is that right is am i am i thinking about this correctly however what you're saying is is when we're truly yielded we're truly submitted to christ and we understand that his yoke is easy and that he is the person we go to when we're weary and heavy laden, that we can find our rest in him, our sustenance in him, our provision in him, then we don't worry. Mm-hmm. Then we're not clinging and and attaching ourselves to all of either the, the structures of the world, the provisions of the world. We're not striving in the world's goals. And we are kind of detached. We're sort of like... Mm-hmm. Not detached in a heart way, but like unattached from worldly things in the world, but not of it. Right. Exactly. And like in this, it's the difference between going to Jesus in times of trouble versus, oh, I'm just going to muster it up and, you know, do it on my own, which is its own type of. Humility, I think it's also kind of the gateway to peace. Yes. Mm -hmm. Real peace in your Mm -hmm. life Mm -hmm. because you've kind of surrendered the outcomes. You've kind of. You recognize, like, I can't fix this myself, and yet there's just a peace that comes when you're not trying to constantly manufacture specific outcomes in your own life, you know? And I I do want to, I guess I'm always trying to balance this, like, humility is not an excuse for laziness. Yeah, no. That's not what, I I don't think what we're saying at all. Um, You know, like... Dallas Willard, that famous line, grace is opposed to earning, not effort. Right. So it's not something that you can earn, but it doesn't mean that we don't, you know, work in partnership with what the Spirit is doing, Mm -hmm. cooperate, you know, with what God is doing to bring us to that place. But there is something, there is a peace that comes when all of your kind of self-obsessed needs are not front and center anymore yeah mm-hmm. i again i have to go back to the desert fathers and mothers as the example f- for that has been formative for me um is that there's n- n- <laughs> and christ in the desert there's nothing like the desert to reveal what your fleshy impulses mm-hmm. are when you have everything taken away from you um, or when, you know, like in the season of Lent, when we sort of give something up or add something in, there's nothing that reveals what you really want, like fasting. Mm-hmm. And um, to your point about, it's not an excuse for laziness. I mean, one of the s- s- I don't know, slogans or one of the sayings that they used to say in Latin aura at labora, pray and work, mm-hmm. just pray and work pray to the Lord and then commit yourself to the simple tasks of living and do them with integrity and honor and Mm -hmm. yieldedness to the Lord. And that life prayer and work it you, if you read the lives of the desert mothers and fathers, you, you see the things they dealt with. They're very human, you know, sexual um, immorality, you know, sins of the flesh, you know, wanting to be powerful, um, anger, 
all of those things yeah. are all real yeah. mm-hmm. but they you know they just committed themselves to this very simple existence in christ they served people they worked they prayed that was it yeah what i love about that is that they were doing the right work yeah you know in the american culture we can get caught up doing the wrong work mm-hmm. oh that's real yeah well, I do think this is a season where the Lord in his grace is, and it's painful, but he is allowing that which has been built with pride to come crashing down. Oh, heck yeah. Praise God. And he is raising up a humble people again who, you know, when you, if we're going to see a real spiritual awakening in our lifetime, um, it will not come from you know, prideful leaders who have built something in their own image. Mm-hmm. It will come from humble and hungry people. And um, when the Lord finds humble and hungry people, anything is possible. That's been our podcast for today, you guys. Thank you so much for listening. For more information on Spirit and Truth and the ministry work we do, head on over to our website, spiritandtruth.life. Remember to hit that subscribe button and share this podcast with a friend. We'll come back to you in the next conversation.